So we are in this um, really important series. We yes. believe it's a really important series. I wanted to about, turn me down a little. Uh, signs of the times. And, uh, you know, as we look out at the world, things are unfolding before our eyes that we have to also know that the Bible has a lot to say about the chaos and the craziness and what looks like everything is just kind of turning upside down. Um, the Bible gives us a lot of understanding about the things uh, that we're seeing in the day and time we're living in. And some people you, you would look out and say, well, it just looks like everything's falling apart. And in many ways, you could look at a lot of stuff and go, it really seems like it is. But for a Christian who has understanding <laughs> of the Word of God, uh, in the midst of everything that we see happening, we can be assured and confident that God's plan and purpose for his believers, for his people, uh, for the kingdom that he's bringing one day, we believe soon, yes. to reign on this earth, will come to pass. That God has not somehow slipped off his throne and is involved in the chaos. No, things are not actually falling apart. To the Christian who has eyes to see, things are actually falling together. Amen. They're coming together the way God has planned for his people. And we have to remember that. Uh, and so it's so important... <clears throat> that we do pay attention to what the Word of God says because it'll be an anchor for your soul. You won't look out at the world or listen to the media and go, what is going on? That you'll have stability in times whenever everything seems to be shaking. And God does tell us, God says that he was, He's going to shake everything that can be shaken. Right. So that the things that are unshakable in this world will remain and he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. So now's the time for us to understand what the word of God says about life, about your life, yes. about our life, about the church, about the future, and uh, build your life on the rock, amen? <laughs> <laughs> and I think of how many times Jesus says in his word, or we hear in his word, Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So we're, that's what we're praying. We pray that a lot. When, during our prayer meetings, yep. that God would give us ears to hear and really eyes to see what's going on in the world. Because the media is putting out, you know, just a lot of stuff. We hear about fake news, disinformation, misinformation. I mean, I heard somebody say recently that the media, don't, don't think that the media is not a form of the false prophet that's out there speaking to people today. We don't think of it that way, but they're speaking a lot of false narratives. Right. And listening to the Word of God or reading the Word of God, you say, well, what's my hope then? This Word has supernatural <laughs> power to give you discernment. Yes. To be able to listen with ears that, through the spiritual ears that Christ gives us and recognize truth from deception. Right. And we need that. Amen? Amen. Yeah. And it'll give you also foresight and help you see what's ahead so you don't go, I don't believe what's happening. I mean, even though some of us say that, we then go think, well, actually, Jesus said these things would come. And so it helps to settle us down and prepare us for what's ahead. And I think that's awesome. And it helps us to build a vibrant relationship with Christ. Because that's what this is all about, knowing him. We want to be sure that we know him and that he knows us. You know, it's not enough sometimes to just say, well, I know God, but does 
he know you? Are you sure he knows you? This is about a personal relationship, a walk with him in this Yes, earth, God right? knows everything. But what Pastor Mamie is talking about is that personal, intimate relationship where you allow him in your life into the deepest, darkest areas and allow him to shine his light yeah. in there. Because this, you know, this series is Signs of the Times, and sometimes we can get caught up in, oh, wow, look, there's a sign and there's a sign. But it's not just about knowing the signs. It, it is about yeah. deepening our relationship with him in the midst of it. And to, be, to go the whole way with him, yes. to say, well, all right, if these things are happening and it, it's going to get worse, what am I going to do? Am I going to go the whole way? These are the decisions that we have to be making now. And bring others, be a witness so that we bring others to Christ. That's all part of it, too. So today we're... That's good preaching. <laughs> we're going to, you know, we, we've been asking you to read Luke 21, um, Matthew 24, and Mark 13. Those are the three... Uh, parallel chapters in the Gospels that mirror the same message about signs of the times mm -hmm. and what we're going to see. So we chose Luke 21 today to just listen to the audio, and we're going to have it up on the PowerPoint, and we're going to listen to the whole chapter, chapter 21, because almost the entire chapter is about signs of the times. And so let's just listen and have ears to hear. Amen? Yes. Luke 21. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, Watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison and you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm, and you will win life. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out, and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers 
There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Each day Jesus was teaching at the temple, and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives, and all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. Luke 21 As Jesus Well, here we are, this morning in this temple. Amen? We came to hear what he is speaking to the church. Amen. We have ears to hear. Amen? Amen? We need ears to hear. This is his desire that his people understand so that in truth, we aren't taken and have that day come upon us like the trap. It's amazing what you can find in one chapter of the Bible. It's amazing. What we, if you dig into it, what you can truly find in the Bible, it's, it's, it's remarkable. And if we took a, let's say, one of those overviews of this, this entire chapter, we'd look and see that there is a lot of shaking going on. There's a lot of shaking going on before His second coming. Nation against nation. Wars are going to be happening. We're going to have pestilence and famines and earthquakes. We're going to see the seas roar. And these are going to be such terror that men are going to faint because of what they see. It says the skies will have signs and wonders in it. It says the heavens itself. It's going to be amazing what's going to happen. It says stars will fall from the sky. All this in preparation for Jesus to come back. I think it's a wake-up call. <laughs> Do you know that NASA has already predicted and has told uh, uh, the people who are listening that in April of 2029, there will be an asteroid that's coming to, uh, they say, pass by the earth. They say it's going to be 10 times closer than the moon. This asteroid 
is the size of three football fields. And they say also that it is, well, it's closer than some of the satellites that we have in orbit. But they say it's going to pass by. And do you know what is an amazing thing? They've named it. Of course, they name all the stars. They've it's named an it. Asteroid, yeah. It's an asteroid. They've named it Apophis. Apophis. Odd name, isn't it? But when you look it up, do you know what it is? It's an Egyptian god of destruction. Yes. And chaos. Of destruction and chaos. Destruction. Mm, isn't that amazing that they would name it that? Destruction and chaos. You know, Tom Horn wrote a book. It's called The Wormwood Prophecies. And he's describing, it is in Revelation chapter 8, refers to this particular thing. And the word there that is used and translated as stars is where we get the word asteroid. Another amazing thing, isn't it? This apparently is going to come so close to the earth, according to the Bible, it's going to hit the earth. And it's going to destroy all one-third of all the animals in the ocean. It's going to turn the ocean into blood. It's going to destroy one-third of mankind. All the waters are going to turn poison. Wormwood is actually a, uh, a plant. And it is a poisonous plant. And men are going to drink that water and they're going to die from it. These are things that are put right before us, right here. Jesus is saying, he said all this 2,000 years ago. April 2029. 20, it's April 13th. They have the date. It's a Friday. <laughs> it, it is a Friday. It is a Friday. It is Friday the 13th. But you mentioned Tom Horns. Tom Horn. He, he, he Highly respected man. Yeah, he man. wrote, you know, his, the book, The Wormwood Prophecy, it's a book that describes a dream that he had, a very startling dream, mm -hmm. that seeing the chaos in the earth and all the things that you're describing, I mean, just blackening of the sky and people in utter chaos and the tsunami coming. And he said, all I heard was the word Apophis. And I didn't know really, I knew, he said, I just heard the word when I woke up, Apophis. He said, I practically fell out of bed. My heart was pounding. And, I, and he said, all I knew that that was an Egyptian god, but I didn't know anything else much about it until he started to look into it and realized there is an mm -hmm. asteroid named Apophis that's due to hit the earth. Well, I say that, no, at Nassau. At first they thought it might. Now they're backing off and saying it's unlikely that it would. But How nevertheless, they that? do have it timed for 2029. But, you know, it seems that people are having dreams. We say all that just to say this, that people are having dreams, startling things yes. of what's coming. And whether you believe these things or not, you know, the Bible does declare there's a coming judgment. We just read some of it in Luke 21. If you read Revelation. Oh, my. It's, yeah. it's, it is more than startling. It can be almost terrifying to think what the people that are alive on the earth at that time, uh, this is going to be very difficult 
It says woe to those who are yeah, still the, alive. The final bowls of judgment that are going to come on the earth. And it's going to be a very difficult time to be alive during the last three and a half years of what the Bible calls the Great Tribulation. There's a seven-year period mm -hmm. that the Bible talks about calling it the Tribulation. Seven years, but in the middle, three and a half, the last three and a half are called the Great Tribulation. And there are three basic views about the rapture related to the tribulation period. There are people, and there are more than these three, but I'd say these, these are, are the, the three dominant mm -hmm. ones that people will say there's a pre-tribulation rapture, meaning right at the beginning of that last seven years of when the tribulation begins, the Lord will come back in the clouds. We will be raptured up to meet him in the, the true sky, church. The sky, yeah, the church. Escaping all seven years. And then there are people who believe and have studied these things out. I mean, there's scholars on all three parts of this. The mid-tribulation believers believe that mid-tribulation, after three and a half years when the Antichrist comes and there's peace and safety, then at the middle of it when he breaks his covenant, and that the last three and a half years is when all chaos, the mm -hmm. bowls of judgment will come. And that's when some believe mid-tribulation that the rapture will occur. And then there are those who believe, and there's plenty of these people too that believe that we will go through all of it to the very end. And they're called post-tribulation because basically it's at the very end of the seven years. Even when the wrath of God has been getting poured out on the earth, that believers will be in the earth at that time and will be raptured at the very end. When now, these, they're, they're solid Christians on all three sides. Yeah. It's not like oh, they're really off base. They're really off base. No, these people love Jesus Christ. In fact, I mean, I, we sometimes it depends on what you hear when you first come to Christ. And for many, probably the past 50 years, since the 70s, when the whole Left Behind series became really prominent, mm -hmm. most people in America would say, well, this pre-tribulation, we're, we're going to go before anything bad happens. But here's the thing, and I lean towards mid-trib just to tell you, he leans oh, towards pre-tribulation. <laughs> pre then we could bring scripture up that will prove both sides. Yeah. But even if you believe in pre-tribulation, you can't, you cannot oh, yeah. let some of this escape your notice <laughs> that how bad, like to, to escape, it's all relative to what the Lord's perspective is on what we're escaping. How bad can things get before the escape happens, right? I mean, we're in a pandemic now, which here in America... You know, as bad as the news is making it all sound, you have to just go, well, okay, how, and as terrible it is for any death to happen because of the virus, but you have to look at it in light of some of these other things mm -hmm. that are going to happen and say, well, how bad is it for us now, even though we're calling this a pandemic? How bad could things get before even the seven years comes? Because, you know, there are severe locust plagues that are happening now in Africa, which will lead to in starvation. In the Middle East, in South America, yeah. Hundreds of millions. I mean, go take, go look it up. Go see what, how the skies look in some of these places. Completely darkened yeah. by just millions of locusts in the sky. And they're saying some of these swaths of them are 25 miles by 37 miles big. Now, 
Where's 25 miles from right here in 37? You could go to Pittsburgh. It'd be good to Newcastle's 23 yeah. miles. Wide and long. And then they moved. In 24 hours, they just moved to another location. And wherever they do move to, they're causing such devastation to the crops. And these people are subsistence farmers. Right. Their, their, their animals will die. Their, the people will die. Many of them have just given themselves up to starvation, just said, well, what can we do? And, you know, Christians are part of those people. They're suffering right now. Their Christians are dying in wars right now from terrorism. Right. Christians are being persecuted. They're being imprisoned. They're dying in tsunamis. They die from disease. They're mm. tortured for their faith. Right now, it's happening. So that just to tell some of these people, well, you're going to escape. They're going to be like, I'm all, escape. I'm, I'm in it. Like, what are we escaping from? So how bad is it going to get? How bad is it going to get? This is my right. point is if you look at what's happening now in the world, you know, how much worse might it get here in America? Because over there they're going, it's bad. But over here we say it's pandemic. But how bad is it? We have a skewed view in America of what's happening in the world. We think the whole world's like America. It is not. People are in prison because they are doing what we're doing right here. People are being tortured and killed because they're doing what we're doing right here. You know, the truth is, Scripture declares, to whom much is given, who can finish that Scripture? Much is required. Much is required. That's a warning. It's a wake-up call. We, we do not have a clue how easy we have it here. Pastor Mamie talked about it. We have air conditioning. Think about what they're doing in Africa. Walk half a day to go to a, a meeting. Without shoes. We have no. soft seats. We have Yeah, how cafes. about those seats, huh? We have espresso machines. We, we have got the words up on a screen. Yeah, music, Bibles, galore, electronics, you know, for any kind of Bible translation we want. And yet the American church can't come to church on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. These seats are empty. These seats are really empty on prayer nights. Hello. Jesus said to watch and pray. But we find it so hard to obey that because we have such other priorities. And so what we need to do is judge ourselves. We need to judge ourselves. We need to know these things before we stand before Christ and it's totally too late. You know what he says? He's not changing his mind. His standards are not going to change because He loves you. His standard is the standard. It's good. We've said this over and over and over again. Isn't it good to know these things now before it's too late? Yeah. Well, because it yeah. gives you an opportunity to change. Yeah. Well, it gives you an opportunity to repent. Yeah. And that's the key. We need to judge ourselves. Are we living our life out that in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, in, in a way that is according to His Word. Once again, to whom much is given, much is required. 
How many of these do you have at home? How about your phone? How many different translations in English do you have? I know this is stepping on toes, but if we don't wake up as a group of believers, I'm talking about these people here. I'm not talking about, oh, those people over there in Newcastle. I'm not talking about those people in California. I'm not talking those people in New York. I'm talking about the people here at Community Life Church. If we do not wake up from our slumber, and don't you know that we're all guilty of this? Hello. We're all guilty. But you know what? Jesus Christ gives you the power to overcome these things. Mm -hmm. This is when you have to take yourself by the nap of the neck and say, listen, you are going to get up a half hour early. You're going to read the word. You're going to pray. Yeah. Hey, listen, I don't care if the kids got soccer. I don't care if they have basketball. I don't care if they have that. Basketball is not going to save you. Reruns of gun smoke is not going to save you. <laughs> You'd be like, what's gun smoke? <laughs> what's gun smoke? It's in black and white, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Who's gun smoke? If a, the church in America does not wake up, we'll be passed by. Yeah. There is no question about it. And what happens in America? Well, we don't want to preach any of the hard scriptures that Jesus said. You know why? Well, because they're not underlined in my Bible. I just want the good stuff. It's me. Oh, it's talking about me. It's talking about me. It's talking about me. Oh, I got a question for you. Did When Jesus talked to the rich young ruler, okay, remember him, the rich young ruler? It's actually in the Bible. You, you have to read it to find out about it. But he asked, what should I do to receive eternal life? Jesus ran through some things and said, I've done these ever since I was a kid. And then Jesus says, and the Bible declares, Jesus loved him and said, sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and come and follow me. Could you imagine the elders of some churches? Why'd you have to say that, Jesus? He's, he's got lots of money. He could give it to the ministry. I mean, now you chased him away. Did Jesus run after him and say, oh, I didn't really mean it. I just meant a portion of yeah. it. No, Jesus did not chase him. Yeah. Why? Because Jesus doesn't change his mind. Yeah. The American church doesn't talk about eternal judgment to come. Because we're all going to stand before Jesus Christ. Do you know how intricate this judgment will be he says you're going to have to give an account for every idle word that you spoke this is the Jesus that loves you this is the Jesus that wants you so badly that he died for your sins this is the Jesus that won't change his mind he won't change his mind he says that you and I are to be set apart from the world. We're supposed to be set apart and live a holy life. Yeah. To live a holy life. 
So what do we do with scriptures like Hebrews 12, 14 that says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. <laughs> it's, it, you know, you, do we pause and think about what this means yeah, come on. in our life? I know I have along the way as you read the word of God. It's like, wow, that's pretty stiff. And I understand that we've been given the gift of righteousness. Yes. That gets us on our right foundation. But we have the desire in a believer's heart is to walk that out and live in a way that's worthy of the gift that we've been given. Amen. And so without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I mean, there are many such verses in the Bible that I say tell us that, but they really, it's a warning. They warn yes. us when you read that. And I think, does the American church understand what that means? Do they even know it's It bothers in the Bible? us. It really does, I have to say. <laughs> yes, it does. This is why I'm happy for the COVID and the 19 and the virus that happened in the pandemic because it's really helped us as pastors to just take another look at the church and go, wait a minute, we need to all get on the right path here. That it's, time, it's not time for, like, uh, have some coffee and have some chit-chat and have some fun at church and go home and do your own thing. Right. These scriptures are real. Yeah. We do want to have fellowship. We do want to have friendship and all those fun things that happen by knowing each other. Mm -hmm. But without holiness, no one's going to see the Lord. I'd be remiss. We would be as pastors to just stand up here and say, you don't have to worry about scriptures like that. God's got you covered. It's not true. You know, and I just think statistically, I mean, I looked this up as we did this message, how much Christians read the Bible, because I think what happens is if you don't read the Bible, you don't have a care about it because you don't even know what it says. <laughs> so you just live your own life. It's like, ha la 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 di da you know, and I, but others of us who read the word, we go, wait, did you know it says without holiness, we won't see the Lord? And so there's this conflict even in the church then between body, between believers. Mm -hmm. It's like one yep. wants to say, wait, come on, we got to get our lives right. And others are like going, what's the big deal? Like, you're so legalistic. Who cares? I'll go find another church that just preaches an easier message. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Am I Happens talking? all the time. But it's statistically only about 30% of Christians actually read the Word of God, is according to the latest study. Daily, 27% it said might pick it up a few times a week. And the other 30-some percent, 12 of which, 12% of part of that say, I never read it at all. And yet people would say, no, I am a professing Christian. <laughs> and I think, you know, we don't understand the terms of the relationship that God's invited us into. Come on. It's a covenant relationship. And we have this distorted understanding. I'm convinced of it in the American church, a distorted understanding of the gospel and what it means to follow Christ. Yes. That it's not about... We've heard, we've heard an Americanized gospel, put it this way, that right. people say, well, you can just say by say a prayer and then just pretty much be happy that to live the way you want to live, knowing that, you know, I, at some point you said, yes, I believe in you, Jesus. <laughs> but you just go about and do whatever pleases you and is comfortable for you in your life. <laughs> the problem is with that is that, yes, you can, the gift of, it's a gift of salvation. Yes. But there's no repentance in that. Repentance means I look at my old life and I say, I'm turning from it. I may not have the power. I, I feel like I don't have the power. Right. But I do. This is where the grace of God comes in. 
If I'm willing to turn, if I'm going this way and it's destructive and I'm headed on the broad path and I turn and say, I want to go this way with you, Jesus. I'm trusting in your power to help me to go on this path. And I'm not going to keep looking back and going back this way. And if I do stumble, which we all do, Amen. I'm going to keep repenting and saying, I hate that. I love this. And until people understand that it's, about, it's, it's truly about heart repentance yes. and a turning away from our old life, we just are like saying, Jesus, I accept you into my heart. It's like fire insurance. Now I know I'm not going to hell. I'll see you later. When see you when I get to heaven. <laughs> but Jesus is looking for a real relationship with us, you see? He wants us to follow him with yes. all of our heart, say goodbye to the old life, and get on a path to a new life with him. And it takes a desire, and it takes a desire to obey. Yes, and leave my old ways and, and head into the new ways. So, I mean, people confess to know Jesus. This is, here's the scripture, 7.13. Matthew 7.13. Oh, yeah, Matthew 7.13. But people want to seek him two different ways. It says here, enter, this is Jesus talking, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to, to destruction, and there are how many? And many who go in, in by it. They go that way because it's popular. It's easier. Right. Popular. Because verse 14, narrow is the gate and what? Difficult. difficult is the way which leads to life. It's difficult to be a Christian. Do you know I find that out? And there are how many who find it? Few, Few who find This is Jesus talking. Yes. So there are people who will confess Christ but still want to take a broad way of things. And it's po- they, they want to take a broad way because it's popular. And easy. It has, doesn't have a lot of restrictions. There's a lot of compromise on it. There's permissiveness right. on it. Right. And there's room for a lot of opinions on it. How I see it, God knows my heart. He knows how hard it is for me. And he does know. The Lord does know how hard it is for us. But I believe he's given us the grace. Grace is the power for us to change. Come on. And so people that choose the broad way, people that choose the broad way just really don't have to say no to too many things. They can follow their own desires. They don't have to leave behind much of anything. Mm-hmm. I, can keep, I can keep my whatever, my pornography, my pride, my money, my anger, you know, my unforgiveness. But I love Jesus. It doesn't work that way. I say this, I know I'm stepping on toes, but I, I want to stand before the Lord one day and, and he say to me, you, you told them, at least you told them the truth, you know. Come on. So that I'd, I'd rather be shocked now than shocked when you stand before him because we're going to look at a scripture yep. coming up that people are going to say, Lord, Lord, like we thought we, we knew you. And he's going to say, I don't know you. You who practice lawlessness. And I think, I don't want anybody in this church to know Amen. To, to, right. just to have that happen to them. You know, so the, we, don't, we don't want to be on a broad way. We, you know, we because, want to go the you know, Jesus loves everybody, right? Then there's the other way people seek him. The narrow path. And it says, few find it. Why? Because it's difficult. Yeah. You have to tell your flesh no. 
And if you are dominated by your flesh and you don't understand that you're a spirit being and that's where you are born again in your spirit man and God wants you to uh, have your spirit man take ascendancy over your flesh and even over your mind. And that's difficult. He says to renew your mind. That takes effort. That means you must be diligent at it. That means you, if you don't understand, this is a war that you're in. It is a combat, hand-to-hand, close-quarters war. And you have to do something. You know, why is it difficult? Because Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That means we got to get rid of pride. That means we got to get rid of those old youthful ideas. We need to mature in Christ. Do you understand it? When you mature in Christ, that means you stop doing things you used to do. Sometimes you're going to have to lose friends because you decide the master's way is right. I'm not in it for a popularity contest. We have said this over and over and over. It is not a popularity contest. You've got to get rid of your pride. You've got to get rid of your ego. You've got to humble yourself. You have to prefer your brother above yourself. You have to be quick to forgive. It says the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. Amen. And But this does not happen with one event. I said a prayer, so now I should have everything. No, it's a daily walk, and it will go all your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's a high calling that we have. Yeah. It's holiness that we're working to. You know, I remember, I, I remember the day I realized, like, what this scripture was saying to me, what Jesus was saying to me, the Holy Spirit was saying to me about the cost of being a disciple. Like, we were already in Bible school. Right. We had made commitments to leave our job, went 2,000 miles away with our family to trust God, live by faith that he'd provide for us and seek after his purpose for our life. And one day I'm sitting there reading my Bible, you know, I come to this chapter. We put it up on the PowerPoint here. It's Luke 14, 33. And I'm reading along Luke 14, mm-hmm. and it's so then any of you who does not forsake or renounce, surrender claim to give up and say goodbye to all that he has cannot be my disciple. And it was like time stood still as I read that. I thought, whoa. <laughs> like, what are you asking here, Lord? Like, and it was right before that, the scriptures are calculate the cost. Mm-hmm. Consider what I'm asking. Like, are you willing? I knew he was what he was saying to me. Are you willing to say goodbye to all your past safety nets? Everything, the way you've looked at life, right. who you thought you were, who, what you thought your future was. Are you willing to give up the applause of people, what other people might think about you? Right. And pursue giving your whole life to me. This is lifelong to be my disciple. I mean, so here we are at Bible school. You know, we've taken these steps. We're thinking we took these huge steps of faith, moved away again from everything familiar. And I'm thinking, doesn't that already tell you that I'm all in, Lord? 
But I think Jesus knows. He knows, he knows it's lifelong obedience. Yes. And, and it's, it's not enough that we have a little summer of enthusiasm and passion for the Lord. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to follow you. Or even a couple courses, or a Bible school study. It's, no. Or a couple of years of yeah. pursuing the Lord. As good as all those things are, we need all those things. But this is lifelong. Amen. This is a, because you're going to have many resets in your life where you're going to have to go, oh, I stumbled over here, I, I drifted over here, I'm going back on the path. I'm signing up again, Lord. And we, it, I think it, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful blessing whenever we have those moments in our life when we realize if this is not just a call for a day, a week, a month, a year. Come on. You, we've been bought with a price. We have been bought. And I believe as time goes on, it seems as though the Lord doesn't ask less of you. He seems to ask even more of you in your life. Yep. Because as time goes, you know, you start out in passion to love the Lord, and you often think, I'll just love you. Of course I'll love you all my life. But how many of you have walked with God for many, many years and have found that things can grow a little cold? They can get a little stale only because... It's just life. It's like the parable of the ten virgins. It's mm -hmm. like you start to slumber because it seems as though he's taking so long to come back. And so we have to realize, no, 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 I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. I'm Amen. going to pursue him. I'm not going to be deceived by a gospel that tells me it's okay to be, get on a broad path. It's okay to just mm -hmm. do your own thing and, you know, wait till you get to heaven. And so there's a gospel message, you know, that well, talks you, about, We have to be careful of what kind of gospel message you're listening to. Yeah. Seriously. Just like it says, in the latter days, people will collect teachers for themselves. You know, they'll have itching ears. Yeah. Oh, this is, you know, this opposition isn't coming from the world, folks. This opposition came from the church, and we've been spoken to this. He says, if you keep trying to make disciples, if you keep focusing on making disciples, your church will never grow. I thought the Great Commission was to go into all the world and make disciples. Hmm. If you're not careful what you're hearing, you'll be on that broad path. You know, the grace message has been twisted and that's how the devil does it well there's enough truth in there to get you captured in there and then i'll lower the boom on you a little later on you know this ultra grace message is that jesus is taking care of your sins past past present and future it's the grace of god you don't even need to ask for forgiveness you know when that guy told me that I, you know i thought you're married, right? And so he, he says, all you have to do is just say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not asking for forgiveness. I said, well, how's that work with your wife when you really upset her and everything? I'm your husband. You don't ask her for forgiveness? I bet that goes over real well at your house. <laughs> you know, there's false teachers everywhere. And a lot of times they don't even know they're false teachers because they're looking for a message just to tickle somebody's ear so they can gain more popularity. 
They, well, I'm reading the Bible. I'm doing this. Hey, listen, we're not Bible scholars ourselves. But the more you walk with God, the more and easier it is to recognize this stuff. You have to come to, after hearing some messages, we look at each other and say, are they reading the same Bible we're reading? It's just blatant. It's blatant. And I don't care. Listen, what a charming personality they have or how dazzling they are in popularity or how much, how big their ministry is. Just because you have a big ministry doesn't mean you have God's stamp of approval. A lot of great ministries that are large. Don't get me wrong. But I am going to bring up a guy named Andy Stanley. He just did an interview with Christianity Today. Do you know he hasn't opened his church since uh, Easter? He has one of the largest churches in America. And he's just declared that he's not opening his church the whole year. And he says that, uh, among other things, you could read it, Christianity Today. But this is the thing that really bothered me. Too. I mean, I, I just... The love of God had to restrain me, let's put it that way. But he says he, he took a survey of his people. He said only 20% of them would be willing to come back. And he, so he said, we're ignoring those people, and we're more about the community. He says, I, I didn't go into my prayer closet and pray and come up with this. I took a survey of my people. He says, I don't lead by praying in my prayer closet and saying, thus says the Lord. He says, I don't lead that way, and you shouldn't either. Yeah. Well, he said, I don't recommend that you do that either. I thought, well, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> Then if, if I think maybe he should read the, the parable of the sower and the seed. I mean, wasn't it only 25% that produced? Listen, if you, don't, if you don't feed that 20% that probably run his entire church, you have what? Lukewarm church. Well, Nobody who has a standard. Yeah, and and the, think... it is a shaking going on. The book of Revelation, there are, five, there, there are seven churches that God wrote letters to. Five of them, he told them to repent. Five. Repent. I think the thing that is most bothersome about not meeting in a church, let's face it. I mean, there's another statistic that says how many people are actually, it said most, 50%, that was, I looked this up in the most recent survey, 50% of the people who said they were regular churchgoers in the last month haven't, when their church isn't open, haven't even streamed an online service. Half of 50%. The, and this is, this is part of the issue with what we have to be careful of what the church is, how the church is supposed to respond in this day and time. Because the more convenient we make it, and the more comfortable we make it, listen, our flesh likes that. <laughs> we'll just stay home forever. We'll just say, keep the church doors closed forever. We don't need the church. We'll just watch online. And I think this is where we have to just be careful that 
what, what, what is going to do to the state of the church. And so I, I want to take a look at this. I know. I want to take a look at this scripture, and it's really important. It's Matthew chapter 7. I want to go back to that. Because many people who claim that they're Christians uh, don't seriously embrace obeying Jesus in their private lives. I want you to look at this scripture, Matthew chapter 7. This is Jesus speaking. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me who practice lawlessness. Depart from me. Those are going to be the most shocking words that they'll ever hear in their life. Lawless. These are not mass murderers. I think these are people just simply who embrace a lifestyle Mm -hmm. of lawlessness, which God considers lawlessness. Don't think about it as I'm I'm marching down the street throwing bricks through glass windows. That is lawlessness, but But to God, it's immorality, it's drunkenness. It's look at this scripture, First Corinthians six nine, and we're going to end with this: Do not be deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. See, broad is the way that leads to destruction, Jesus said, and many are those who find it, but narrow is the gate that leads away to life, and few are those who find it, and so we're just... I know, we, I know this is a pretty tough message, speaking a lot of truth. You know, however, if our desire is to really be a fully devoted follower right. of Christ, right. we need to know the truth, right? And Jesus will give us the grace of God to live it out, to walk it out. And so let's just, we're going to bow our heads and pray here. Father, we do thank you for... Your word. Your word. We thank you for the truth, Lord. We do desire that you would, we'd rather you shock us now, (laughs) surprise us now, rather than later, Lord. We want to be faithful witnesses for you in this life. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, I mean, through everything that was said today, we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to highlight an area. I'm asking you, to highlight an area, make this a personal prayer for yourself that you've been talking to me about in my private life as I listen to this. The Holy Spirit is saying to you, I know you fail in that area, but if you'll just repent, yeah. or you just repent of it, we can just or we can work on this together. My grace is sufficient to help you to overcome it in this life. Ask for my grace. So I'm asking you, as you listen to the sound of my voice, just in your own heart, the privacy of your own heart, ask the Holy Spirit, highlight what area are you talking to me about, that you desire my repentance, 
And we know that your joy, Lord, and your pleasure will be with us as we obey you. You know, the Lord isn't asking us to clean up our lives before we come to him. Right. And he wants us to come broken to him, but to war against the sin in our life. Not to just sit and compromise over it, to war against it by the power of his loving grace. And so, Lord, we're just, we're here. We say we're yours. We, we want to love you, Lord, with all of our heart. We want our lives to bring you glory. Do the work, Holy Spirit. Have your way in us. Father God, I, I know that there are people here and people watching online that the Spirit of God has pricked your heart. And you really are judging yourself. And maybe you've never really given your life to Christ. Maybe it was just a, well, it was a moment of emotion. I, get, I said that prayer. But then when you look at your life, you don't have fruit. I want you to bow your head right now. It's time to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. To love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Because until you give your heart completely to Him, you're not going to make it. If you're here today and you recognize, yep, that's me. I want you to lift your hand up so I can pray a prayer with you. Today's the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, not out in the parking lot, not getting your life right in the car. Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before God the Father. I want you to say this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're so merciful that I am a sinner and I need salvation. I need to be saved from my sin, free from the power of sin. Jesus, you proved you have the power. You have the keys of death and the hell. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean by your blood. Come, live in my heart. I want to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah!